Well, hello, Clergy Chick listeners. Thanks for tuning in. If ever you want to give to that which makes it happen, give to my church, Chapel by the Sea, on Clearwater Beach, Florida. You can text GIVE to 727-222-1336. And as always, this is the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From December the 27th, 2020, at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. And the child's mother and father were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to whom all were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had finished everything required of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. season, I have been inviting worshipers to uh, participate. And one of the reasons for that is I think people uh, engage a little better, respond a little better, remember a little better when they participate as well. Uh, You may not know this, but my undergraduate degree was in education. And as a part of my education degree, I learned that people have different learning styles, right? You probably know this, that some people are visual learners, right? They 
they learn best by seeing something, so they might say, don't tell me about it, show me. Okay, they learn best that way. Other people are auditory learners. They learn best by hearing. And so the people that close their eyes in worship during my sermon are not sleeping, right? <laughs> right? They're auditory learners. They're, they're blocking out all the visual stimuli, stimuli so they can really focus in on what I'm saying. That's true, right? Right? Okay. <laughs> there are kinesthetic learners. They learn by doing. And, and I think that I'm a kinesthetic learner. I think that I probably learn best when I engage physically, like I embody the learning. And the best example I have of this is when I got my first car. 16 years old, I got a 1980 model Pontiac Sunbird, baby. Woo! It was bright yellow. My friends called it the taxi. <clears throat> It had a black interior, and it was a beautiful pleather, you know, amazing interior. There were a couple things wrong with this car, though, because, you know, you can't have a fancy car for your first car, right? So it didn't have air conditioner, so that was an issue. And it was also a stick shift. Well, there's one problem with having a stick shift. I didn't know how to drive a stick shift. But how hard could it be? I thought I'd seen my dad drive a stick shift. I'd seen my brother drive a stick shift. I'd seen a couple of my friends drive stick shifts. I'm sure it was going to be fine. And so my very first time to try to drive my brand new car, my dad gave me some instructions, auditory instructions. Well, here's what you do. You press the clutch, you turn on the ignition, you let off the clutch and push the gas. Simple enough, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe not. So I get in the car, I push the clutch, I turn on the ignition. Hey, all right, step one. So I let off the clutch and push the gas. And, and so for the next, I don't know, month, I was driving around all around Maryville, Tennessee, which is hilly, by the way, kind of, you know, start and stop. And I would make sure I would avoid any stoplights where there was an incline, you know, so I wouldn't have to try to do that. I eventually learned how to drive a stick. And you know how I learned how to do that, right? Learned by doing. So I'm a kinesthetic learner. There are other ways to learn. One of the primary ways that people can learn is to read and to write. And so over the Advent season, I've invited worshipers to write some different things, including on the third Sunday of Advent, on Joy Sunday, the Sunday where we light the pink Advent candle of joy. I had folks write on little strips of paper three things that's bringing them joy. And maybe you were here that Sunday and participated in that. And you turned it in and then surprised to the congregation, the ushers busied themselves and, and put together this garland of joy. And so that's what I'm wearing right now. So that was the third Sunday of Advent. We built this garland of joy. And then kind of on the other spectrum, those who came to the service of hope and remembrance got little strips of purple cloth. And on those strips of purple cloth, they wrote their laments, their sorrows, and they turned those in. And the ushers together put this lament wreath together from the strips of cloth that worshipers fashioned, a lament wreath. And then those who worshiped here on Christmas Eve at the 7.30 service were given cards that said at the top, my dream for the world this Christmas Eve. And so they could write whatever they wanted to write, their dream for the world. And I invited them at the end of the service to place those cards in the manger. 
And so today, I want to share with you some of what your friends have said that they dream for the world this Christmas Eve. No more COVID. Peace, love, happiness, believe. Unity. Peace and harmony. Peace. No more violence. I want each in the world to feel love in their heart and share that love with all. The world at peace led by reasonable, responsible, empathetic leaders. Justice and peace for all, especially the poor and oppressed. Global grace. Unity in the world, world peace, peace on earth and goodwill to all. Spread the vaccine to end the coronavirus. Redemption and renewal. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men, peace and love, peace and love, cure for COVID. Peace, love, the world finds Jesus. Peace and everyone sharing the world as one family. For everyone to love and accept each other no matter who they are. That everyone will love one another as God loves us. Peace, good health for all, that love may prevail. Diminished anger and peace on earth. For people to be more real, to be honest, to not lie, to take advantage of and use people. To be people who are more caring, giving, and loving. Peace and joy, hope and the Lord for all. COVID vaccinations for everyone as soon as possible. Love. It is hard to hate when you have love in your heart. Love. To be free of COVID. For all mankind and womankind to be kind and gracious to one another. No more hate. No more, sorry, I can't read it, unity. More love, less hate. That man will tell the truth, then live by it. No more hungry kids. To be coronavirus free. That we show each other the love that Christ taught us so all people might get along and feel included. World peace and an end to the pandemic. No more ugliness to each other. That we awaken to unity and the gift of given to us in Christ Jesus. To stop the political bickering and remember what you first volunteered for. Those are beautiful dreams, aren't they? I guess I'm not the only dreamer. Which reminds me of a song. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join me and the world will be as one. Tell me who wrote that. John Lennon. And he later said, and Yoko Ono, 1971. Jimmy Carter in 2006 was being interviewed and he said that as he traveled the world, he'd been to... I don't know, some 125 countries, that some of the developing countries would hold that song, Imagine, by John Lennon and Yoko Ono, but they would hold that about the same level as their own national anthem. It became that powerful. So apparently, I'm not the only dreamer, and we're not the only dreamers, but people around the world are dreaming, just like our friends dreamed on Christmas Eve. Here's the deal. Those who dream will not Keep silent. We can't. We can't keep silent. Take, for instance, the two dreamers in the story I read about earlier. 
Simeon and Anna from Luke chapter 2. Simeon was a devout follower of the Lord, and he was compelled by the Spirit to go to the temple one day. It was no coincidence, as Scripture tells us, because he had an important engagement, unbeknownst to him, that he would encounter the newborn Messiah in the person of this baby boy, Jesus. And so, if you think about it, Mary and Joseph are bringing their baby boy into the temple, as was the, the law. And they were there, and they were approached by this, best we can tell, stranger named Simeon. And he comes up to them, and he's saying all of this wild and beautiful and awesome things, and he's grabbing the baby and holding the baby. And here's, here's one of the things that he says, that this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword, he says to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. So beautiful things, grand things and disturbing things that Simeon says. See, Simeon, he had a dream for the world that had been fulfilled in the person of this baby Jesus and he could not keep silent. And then later on in the scripture, another person, while they're there in the temple, a prophet named Anna, did the same thing, came up to them and, and began saying these, these wild things. Here's what Anna says. She began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, Anna, her dream for the world had been fulfilled in the person of the baby Jesus, and she could not keep silent. Those who dream will not keep silent. The primary song, the primary Christmas carol that I think about when I think about this idea of not being able to keep silent because we have experienced and understand who the Messiah is and the person of this baby Jesus. The song that best captures that is Go Tell It on the Mountain. You guys help me sing it? Ready? Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. So that's a beautiful song. Uh, you would think, you know, it probably originated somewhere really joyful where things were going great and everything was wonderful and people were happy. Not. You know where that song originated, right? on the American plantation. It's a Negro spiritual that was transplanted from plantation to plantation among slaves, among people who were oppressed and brutalized often. Yet this song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, it speaks of hope and joy. You see, the people who, uh, who created that song, they had no reason to hope. They had no reason to rejoice. They had no reason to dream. But this baby Jesus gave them hope caused them to rejoice and helped them dream. And it's, if this thing that happened on Christmas Day, if it's that powerful to give people in the most oppressive situation a reason to sing, then maybe you and I have a reason to sing as well. You see, that song, as were most of the songs, were, were an act of resistance. It was kind of like saying, you can, you can enslave my body, but you cannot enslave my spirit. Because people who sing aren't enslaved spiritually. This birth of the baby, it demands something of us. It, it calls us to do something. And just like the baby was placed in a manger and then tended by his parents, 
taken to the temple, taught and trained and loved and nurtured this baby born on Christmas Day, needy and vulnerable, requires that we also nurture and tend and give him a home in our hearts. You ever seen a, a big macho guy hold a little baby? They, they just become old softies, don't they, you know? And that's what we're being called to do this Christmas, is to soften our hearts, to give Jesus a place to, to grow and to flourish. We might dream for a life for that Jesus. It's exciting stuff. This idea of the Christ has, has come, that the Son is born unto you. And to me, it's like a, a, a new dad giving out cigars, saying, It's a boy! Hey, everybody, I've got a son. It's a boy. You know, and he, and he takes his cigars and he hands them out to people. And he's so excited because he's got, a, he's got a new son and he wants everybody to know it's a boy, Scott. It's a boy. It's a boy, everybody. A son is born. It's a boy. 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 Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.